With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever you are. So today is an awesome kind of a little bit of NFT, but a little bit play to earn, play to win, play to live, all these types of things with Usaki games. Uh, and I've got Jay Shapiro here with me now. And so so Jay, let's just go ahead and right into it. Where where do you come from? And I, I'm gonna guess that this is, you know, is this your first NFT project or you know, kind of what what brought you into wanting to do um, a really large, a really big scale gaming operation? Yeah, sure. So so thanks so much for having me. Uh, so my name is Jay Shapiro. I'm the CEO and founder of Usiku Games uh, here in Nairobi, Kenya, in Africa. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and no, I'm, I'm pretty new to the Web3 world, uh, if you will. Sort of about a year ago, I knew nothing, uh, you know, as many of us did, I think. Um, however, I've been a tech entrepreneur for a good 20 years. Uh, you can tell by the, the gray beard. Um, and I've done a Web1, 2, and 3 business now. And I'll, I'll give you a bit of background. So I was originally uh, born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I left there in 1995 uh, and moved to Asia. And uh, I spent about 13 years in mostly Singapore, Hong Kong, China, uh, that sort of thing. And in uh, did my MBA out there. And then in 1999, I started a digital marketing agency uh, back in the days before there was Google or YouTube or Facebook or any of those guys. Uh, truly a web one business, uh, creating websites, search marketing, and then, and then CRM, et cetera, evolved over the years. Uh, from what started with a $10,000 angel investment um, in a third floor walk-up apartment that we called an office um, and and grew that over a crazy eight years during the dot-com boom uh, to become the fourth largest digital agency in the world. Um, sold that to WPP in 2007, uh, at which point we had London, New York, Palo Alto, Tokyo, Shanghai, Beijing, Singapore. Uh, handling, you know, some of the world's biggest brands like Cisco and HP and Microsoft and, and that sort of thing. And so, so really I was one of the sort of the internet pioneers, if you will, uh, was voted one of the top 10 internet pioneers, uh, by Thai Silicon Valley. Uh, and so, yeah, built that business, joined the global WPP digital board, um, and then exited and moved to New York, uh, around 2008. Um, and it's interesting. I sold that, that agency in the exact month that Steve Jobs launched the iPhone. And I knew instantly that mobile was going to be the next big thing. Um, and user-generated content was sort of just starting. And so I started what became a, a Web2 business uh, in what today we would call a, a no-code uh, mobile app publishing platform uh, called AppMaker. Um, and it was basically a drag-and-drop platform for anybody to be able to make a mobile app themselves with no-code. Um, and we grew that to be the world's largest Android publisher. Um, so we had three and a half million native apps in a hundred countries. Um, again, another sort of wild ride. And then I sold that business. Um, now not everything I touch is golden. We did have a couple of failures along the way. Uh, I started an AI business called MutiBot, uh, that was all around civic engagement and, and sort of trying to take the, the Alexas of the world and the, and, uh, oh, sorry, I should have said it out loud. Everybody's things are going off around the world. Uh, <laughs> and, Mine just went off. <laughs> and yeah, well, right. And I said, you know what? Okay, Google, we can do this. And so, <laughs> it's time to tip it. Um, anyhow, so yeah, so it was all around municipal, municipal governments and municipalities being able to connect with their, with the local uh, residents um, and bring services to them. Unfortunately, 2016, the, the, uh, the government's, change and some of the sentiment change in the country. Um, it, it just, it sort of didn't work. Uh, and so 2017, I moved to Africa um, and, and specifically here to Nairobi, Kenya. Um, and I did that and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but just sort of just the unbelievable massive opportunity that is going on in Africa at the moment. It really reminds me of Singapore in the nineties. Um, and so wow. um, 
I had started, I should also say I started a nonprofit foundation along the way called do good as you go, uh, org, uh, which was a network of about 500 entrepreneurs, tech, tech entrepreneurs, designers, software engineers, architects, et cetera, doing skills transfer workshops at orphanages and, and street kid shelters on four continents. And so when I arrived in Africa, I really wanted to kind of combine all of those, uh, something that was uh, tech based, but also had a real social impact element. Um, and so from that came the Secret Games uh, three years ago. Um, and we are a social impact game developer. Yeah, before we jump into Siku, and I'm going to I'm going to pause you there because there's a lot that you, you said and I really want to unpack a few things. <clears throat> so, you know, you, you've done the, the marketing aspect of this you understand you know the way web one the foundations of everything there and clearly google and and everyone else um and and you know being a developer for kind of the the no code you know WYSIWYG uh development of of android and and probably a little bit of other mobile mobile uh, os's as well you yeah. clearly have an understanding there what was when you when you wanted to add ai in what was the problem you were trying to solve what was what was the thing that you couldn't get done um that, that just kind of felt like it was out there with AI. I, I have a computer science background myself. Uh, I, I love new gadgets and, and uh, I'm sort of on the bleeding edge, but, but I'm not normal. I know that. Right. <laughs> and there is a whole world out there that is not that. Um, and we need to bring those services, the knowledge, uh, and in, in now in these days, the, the DeFi uh, resources available to the masses. Um, and so that's what I love is, is projects that, that do that. Um, and so the AI was really about going through, through WhatsApp, through Facebook Messenger, through the, the, the in-home, uh, agents, um, and trying just to make, uh, make it easier for people to be able to find out how do I get a building permit? You know, how do I report a broken streetlight in my, in my, uh, my neighborhood? So, uh, so helping, so, so helping again, bring, bring, uh, you know, it, advanced search, which is eventually, you know, predictive search, a little bit type of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, and I truly believe, you know, uh, if we go back to the movie, 2001, 1968 or something like that, that, that form of ubiquitous, ubiquitous computing, um, is absolutely what, what we're moving towards now. Uh, and it's, it's wild that they, you know, that he, that he predicted it so early. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the voice agents that we have today are really just the beginning. No, and I'll, I'll say that the, uh, I won't say the, the name of the little device, uh, has gotten so much worse over the years. And so it's, 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 uh, again, sometimes you always learn a little oh, yeah. bit from not, not the failures, but again, the ones you kind of ran into roadblocks and you have to pivot away from. And that's why I always like to kind of understand, you know, how that, how that managed and works into it. But let's, let's go forward. And, and really, uh, Usiku games is, is incredibly interesting. So give, give me that five minute elevator, you know, high level pitch, uh, for what you're doing today. Sure. So, so Africa, for those who are not really familiar with what's going on here, um, it's a continent of youth. You know, we have 1.1 billion people under the age of 35. Uh, the median age here is 20. Uh, the median age is to compare in the U.S. is 38. Uh, in Europe, it's 47, right? Uh, this is a very, very young continent. And these are the masses, if you will, have grown up digital natives. You know, um, in 2019, the last year that we had statistics, uh, there were 350 million internet connected smartphones here. That's more than all of the US, Canada, Mexico combined. It's more than all of Europe combined, right? So it is a highly technically literate populace. And every one of those smartphones have at least one game on them. And when you take the average youth today, and this is not unique to Africa, I think it's around the world, and you try and do some sort of social messaging from either the government or an NGO through traditional means of, of a PSA on TV or a brochure or flyer, that kind of thing, they just ignore it. They're completely deaf to it. Um, what they pay attention to, though, interestingly, is hip-hop, comic books, and games. And if you can convey the message through one of those and make it engaging and fun, then you have the opportunity to actually create meaningful behavior change towards the positive social impact. Um, and so that's what we're all about, right? Harnessing the power of gamification uh, to create that, that positive impact in our community. How are you going to do it? So 
we do it. We have a number of ways. So first of all, we work with a lot of NGOs uh, on particular social issues. So we look at climate change. We look at uh, women's empowerment. We look at healthcare, education, those kinds of things. And then we design particular games that address those needs. Um, and that's, that's our history. That's what, that's what we've, we've been doing for the last three years, particularly during COVID. Um, it's been a good way to grow our business. It's very B2B oriented rather than sort of a B2C type approach. Um, what we're doing now is what's, what's particularly interesting is two big things, particularly from a blockchain perspective. Number one is we've just launched literally last week at, at the Africa Games Week. Um, uh, we launched something called PAG. The, the Pan-Africa Gaming Group, and I, I'm the chairman of this, and, and it is pulling together the top game development studios in 10 countries across the continent. So between us now, we have a 270 million uh, addressable market, more than 100 games published already. We're, the, we're by far the largest gaming company uh, in Africa. Um, and the entire thing is going to exist as a DAO. Um, because People think of, you know, Africa as a single continent, but the reality is it's 54 different countries uh, with 54 different legal systems and regulatory frameworks, different cultures and, and languages. There's 2,000 languages in Africa, right? Um, and so trying to do a traditional private equity style roll-up uh, in each of those markets would take a lifetime from a regulatory perspective. Um, however, by putting it on chain, uh, it allows us sort of an, an additional layer on top of the borders um, and gives us a, a huge freedom to uh, be way more nimble and efficient uh, in pulling together those resources. And so it's allowing us now as different studios to work together to share resources, share skills, share funding um, to try and create games that, that, that make a difference. Um, so that's that's the first big thing. So this large association that you put together is is being governed by an overall DAO, correct? So um, so that that singular DAO is um, over overall, you know, responsible for the which games, which communities, and you know, to run through the list of items that that DAO is going to be governing. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as any sort of traditional holding company, right? So it's going to have an executive board of a CEO, CFO, a, a group, creative director, CTO, that sort of thing. Uh, but instead of reporting to a board of directors, they'll report to a founders council, which are the governors of the DAO, made up of the founders of each of the individual 10 studios. The funding will come into that, that central DAO um, through a crypto raise. Um, and then each individual studio, as they're doing individual projects that require funding, will essentially apply for grants or loans from the DAO um, and will make a proposal to the Founders Council, of which they will be one of them, um, in order to release the funds. It's, it's a highly democratic way of running a large-scale organization, and we think it's fascinating. It really is, and and I think the 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 item that is most is the fact that you're not just going, hey, here's a DAO, everyone just figure it out. The fact that you do have a centralized, you know, board and 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 operations unit is is fascinating because um, I I and I agree with. I think that you know, again, there's a there's the vision which you guys have brought to the table. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces that are hard for anyone just because you own a percentage of a DAO or own a percentage of the company, you may not always know you know where all the pieces are and and what what are the overarching goals. So I think retaining that control and retaining those uh, those metrics is is a very you know great. You can always give it away later, um, but it's really hard to pull it back in once once you've done it. So I think that's really a fabulous way to to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, what we're doing, which I think is, is something new, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of examples of it, is we're doing layers of governance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have the founders council at the beginning, which is the core that that operate and, and as I say, the executives report to. Uh, but then we have a layer of, of employee tokens. Um, and we're giving those out to all employees of all the studios across the continent. And we have an allocation for future employees from as new studios join potentially. Um, and they'll have governance roles and votes um, on issues that relate to them as employees around HR policies, diversity, uh, you know, leave policies, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so that's interesting. And then the, we have an outside layer, which is the community, the players themselves. 
Um, and that's where we'll do the, the general fundraising. But they then also will have votes on, you know, the names of the characters and the, the, the release dates of games and, and those sorts of things. And, and they'll get special VIP passes to launches and early, early betas and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's really, it's almost a, it's somewhat a perversion of the DAO structure because it's not fully autonomous and it's not fully decentralized. Um, but it is fully on chain and it is fully democratic. Um, and so that's, it's really interesting from that perspective. I, 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 I would actually argue that. I think you are absolutely decentralized and autonomous. I, I don't, I don't ever remember reading the rules that it has to be chaos with no clear leader. Um, it just quite simply, it is decentralized. You're giving ownership to a variety of people. The, the fact that there's maybe metrics, uh, of which they have to have to qualify to hold these, hold these coins or to have, you know, governance rights, um, doesn't in any way mean that they're not decentralized or autonomous. So I, I think you absolutely are fulfilling the goals, which is you're putting the power into a large number of people's hands to to you know be able to help you guys make decisions and that's really the end of the at the end of the day like the what we're trying to do here you're trying to make sure that you have a clear way of feedback which isn't just a bunch of survey monkey surveys and, and a bunch of you know nonsense that some people may or may not read you're actually you know saying that you have ownership you have this and and you know you want to be heard um so I, I again it's it turns into more operating documents than smart contracts at some point yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a spectrum, right? There are those who would like pure anarchy, um, for sure. Uh, and then there's those who think that there should just be a CEO. Um, we're, we're kind of somewhere in between. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with that. And, and, it, and it's, you know, again, listen, I talk to people all around the world that are doing a variety of things, and, and I would say that I would be more comfortable um, I'm not in full disclosure. I've not invested or done anything with, with Us, Usaki games. Usiku. I did a, Usiku. It's literally Usiku written games. on the wall. <laughs> so you need to put the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the way it's, it's spoken out. Believe me, I've massacred everyone's names across the board. So it won't be the first and the last time. Um, but I, I think it's really a, a fascinating way to do it. And I, I would agree that that is the way that I would feel most comfortable investing in a project like this because of the, the sheer size and scale. As you said, there's 55 continents, correct? Um, 54 and, countries, and, countries. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, j- just the fact that it's, there's so much going on, there's not a chance that at the average amounts or the, um, the consensus of that it would take for that many people to be able to vote correctly, to understand where all the moving pieces, because people want to, you know, kind of vote for themselves a little bit uh, or what they believe in. And I don't think that's a wrong thing, but you're not saying anyone has to do this. Um, you know, they yeah. have the ability to get in and there's probably liquidity to get back out if they don't like what you guys are doing. So I think it's uh, the goal is long-term. The goal is that you have a lot of long-term viable, um, you know, projects that you want to accomplish. Can you, let's run through a couple of those. Like, what do you, what's, what's a few that just off, uh, uh, off the top of your head are the bigger, bigger social. Yeah. So, so the big one is, is, is really our blockchain gaming for good platform. Uh, that's, that's sort of the number two from our, from our, our blockchain type work. Um, and it, and it really harks back to, to the name of Asiku. Uh, so Asiku means night in Swahili. And the reason yeah. why we, the reason why we created that is because for, for hundreds of millions of people across Africa, uh, when the sun goes down, there's not a lot to do other than drinking, gambling and making babies. And, uh, our objective is to, is to reduce those three activities, uh, by creating, um, a meaningful, fun alternative that is affordable, uh, and has a positive social impact. And so what we've done is we've actually created a portfolio of mobile casual games that are designed for those in-between moments in life when you're you're sitting in a bus in traffic uh, which happens a lot here um, when you're between classes or you're relaxing in the evening and it works on a, a play to earn model but it's free to play that's very important uh, because we absolutely are trying to wean people off of the sports betting mobile sports betting industry and and to give you a sense of it in the top five markets in africa uh nigeria kenya uganda tanzania south africa in those five countries mobile sports betting is 37 billion us dollars a year right um and, and, and this is this is not a wealthy country these are not wealthy countries it, well they're not wealthy countries but they're obviously have disposable income enough to spend that kind of money um on entertainment um, and unfortunately, m- vast majority of those companies are not African. Uh, they're mostly mm. Bulgaria, China, that sort of thing. So that's $37 billion a year that's leaving the continent. 
uh, almost equivalent to the total amount of direct foreign investment uh, from a social impact perspective that's coming into the continent. They cancel each other out, right? And so our goal was to eliminate that by creating uh, the dopamine effect that you would get from the thrill of potentially winning, but in something that is positive. And so the coins that you earn through our games, unlike something like an Axie Infinity uh, or those types of games, instead, with ours, you can take those and invest them in your personal future, right? And our goal is to increase the financial resilience amongst youth. So you can spend it on your education funding. You can do, use it to buy health insurance. Uh, you can put it into a health savings account. You can do long-term savings and, and staking. Uh, you can go towards uh, community development, so funding refugees in some of the refugee camps here, uh, wildlife conservation with the WWF, or planting trees with a, an organization called Seed Balls. And so we think that it's, it's a really interesting way of harnessing the power of, of gamification and of crypto and blockchain to do wealth transfer onto the continent um, and really empower the youth to change those behaviors towards more savings. I think it's fascinating. So, so let's let's just jump right over to the tokenomics and, and help me understand um, where the where the value of this token comes from. Is it is it treasury backed, uh, asset backed? How are you how are you ensuring that someone who says I want to put this into a uh, you know college saving types fund that that there's value in there uh, over the long term? Sure. So. There's really there's two tokens that we need to talk about, right? So we have the, the public floating token, what we call Usiku coins, um, and those are what we're offering on the public market uh, to crypto investors around the world. Uh, they have deflationary economics built into them um, and will appreciate in value as they get increasingly scarce, and they receive income through the the platform operating. Uh, we're doing NFTs and that sort of thing, right? Um, and so, when it, so, 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 real quick, as a pause there, when you're saying yep. they're receiving income, how are you, how are you putting value into these tokens from the the revenue? So, what we're doing is we're doing token buybacks, um, and what okay. we what we buy we burn, uh, which decreases okay. the pool, um, or uh, creating those funds available to the token holders to buy more tokens if they if they want to double down uh, on on okay. the portfolio. Right. Uh, at okay, the same time, you. we often get paid by large NGOs, uh, German government, UK government, that sort of thing, uh, to build, as I said before, the, the specific bespoke games uh, for particular social impact projects. Uh, those funds, what we'll do is we'll use those to buy and burn uh, tokens, uh, putting more liquidity into the platform, um, funding the development of the games and reducing the, the pool of, of tokens. So, so that's sort of how some of that, that works. Then there's a second token, which is the, the stable coin, if you will, um, which is the in-game economics of what the players actually are winning as they play. Um, what's interesting is that for every dollar, call it a dollar, that we raise uh, from ETH or Bitcoin or, or whatever it may be, coming in to purchase the Asiku coins, 50% of that goes directly towards minting the stable coins, which then get used in the games. Those coins in the games then are what the players are winning uh, as they're uh, achieve, making achievements in the games. So as they level up, as they beat certain bosses, that sort of thing, they're winning coins. Those coins then go into their personal wallet, which then, as I say, can be spent only on social beneficial uh, spending. Um, the, the staking part of it, and we are based on Harmony, um, is actually staking with harmony so we're not staking ourselves uh, i don't want that kind of responsibility <laughs> so so uh what what chain are we on um what you know kind of uh, multi-chain which what's the technology um stack look like yeah so we're starting with harmony um harmony okay. have, have been big supporters of africa um similarly cello um are here very involved in social impact uh, there's a great platform that, that's doing refugee UBI platforms on Celo. And then Cardano uh, are, are investing very heavily in Africa uh, and trying to grow in Africa. So, so we're starting with Harmony and then we're looking at multi-chain beyond that. Okay, fabulous. I, and I, I, I only know so much about Harmony. Um, their smart contracts are, are up and running. They're able to do everything you guys need and speed-wise. Absolutely. Well, they're very fast, uh, two-second resolve, um, and also very cheap. 
Um, so it's a, it's a great platform. I'm a big fan of Harmony. And, and I got to say, uh, I'm a part of the Harmony Africa DAO, uh, which is here uh, to advocate growth uh, in the market for, for blockchain. Um, and they've been a, a wonderful partner uh, investing. We've done three events in the last two months. Uh, we did a gender event to uh, get more women into blockchain. Uh, we did a blockchain gaming event. And then most recently, we just did one for the, the local journalists, all the tech and, and uh, business journalists. To, to try to teach them about blockchain in general, I mean, not just Harmony, um, so that they then portray it more uh, more accurately and more positively in the media. So I, I think it's really fascinating to hear someone that's doing blockchain anything and getting support from governments um, because it's it's usually the reverse. Um, how how is the reception of of the various uh, you know government agencies or, or NGOs you know around you know a, a crypto you know blockchain related projects? Because well, you've used terms like stablecoin that if I said that here in the United States there'd be somebody knocking at my door within an hour. Right. <laughs> Should I not have said it on your podcast? Or? Um, no, no, it's like, I, you know, that's why I don't do anything. I'm just here to hang out with you. Yeah, no. So what's, what's interesting is that this is exactly why uh, Africa is the center of innovation for blockchain. Um, most people think of it as a frontier market, right? Like, oh, they're out there in Africa. Uh, but really, it's all happening here. Um, and the, rea- the reason is because uh, crypto in the U.S. particularly me- typically means speculation and trading right? Everybody wants to know what's the price of Bitcoin today. Um, and they're trading it largely like commodities, right? In the same way that we've mm-hmm. traded sugar or pork bellies or coffee for decades, right? Um, it, it's all about arbitrage and value um, rather than the utility of the platforms themselves. Um, there are certainly some projects, don't get me wrong, right? But the reality is that, you know, the inflation that the U.S. is experiencing today and that is the top of the line news, right, is nothing compared to the 3,000% insure, uh, inflation that is happening in Venezuela uh, or in markets in, the, in, in some markets in Africa, right? Zimbabwe went through crazy devaluation years ago. And so when you're in those kinds of environments, all of a sudden, crypto and blockchain becomes a really meaningful alternative. Um, and in a world filled with corruption, um, having transparency and immutability for everything, whether that's car registries, land registries, gun registries, voting and election platforms, all of that becomes a very real need. Um, whereas I think in the U.S., crypto and, and blockchain is still kind of like this cool thing that the cool kids are doing. It's obviously becoming much more mainstream, um, but it's much more about getting rich. Um, and here it's about making a difference. Um, and so the governments are, are, you know, really getting behind it. That's amazing to hear. And by the way, the, out of every item that you listed off there, the U S could absolutely benefit. Oh, absolutely. As well. No, 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 but, no, no question. But, but they're, but they're going to, they're going to take their time and, and wait till everyone else is, is, uh, sorted it out. I mean, you want to talk about um, corruption. <laughs> Oh, listen, listen. We, 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 the one thing we don't do is politics on here, which is which is a, a, a blessing and a curse. So, you know, really help me understand the the you know overall um, you know feelings, which again you're saying are very positive towards crypt, towards cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies in Africa. What what is the the currency that they use? Are they are they all trading US USDT or C or, or you know is, or do they look at Ethereum as a currency. The, what do they use as a currency to, to, to for everyday trades or by birth? Right. Do they have a base? So there's 1.1 billion people here under the age of 35 in 54 different countries. There is no they, right? It, like, okay. th- th- there's so many different pockets, right? Um, what I will say is that Nigeria uh, is doing a digital currency, government sanctioned, of their own. Um, okay. Tanzania has announced that they're going to do one. Um, and Kenya, although not on chain, um, 85% of all transactions in the economy, um, are done on mobile money. We, we've been on a digital currency for years. Um, and there's definitely a movement here to put that on chain, right? Um, and to do a, a CBDC, right? A central bank digital currency. Um, and so I think it will happen. Absolutely. So when, when, Let's talk about a little bit of the early success that you guys have already had. So 
Usiku games. Um, you know, you guys have, have been around for what, almost three years now? Three and a half years. Three, three and a half three, years. Yeah. Three and a half years. And so where are you where are you at now in your roadmap? And kind of what's the the rest of the year look like for you guys to to see success? Yeah, so so we're a relative babe uh in the woods compared to some of the other studios in in PAG, the Pan African Game Group. Uh some of the studios have been around since 2009 and, and are very well established. Um What's interesting is that despite the fact that there's been around for so many years and working through it, it really feels like this is day one uh, from the gaming industry, right? It's all starting now. Um, and so everybody is super excited. <clears throat> the possibility of Web3 to bring the power to the players in terms of ownership and, and uh, financial income and those sorts of things uh, is a really powerful draw, uh, particularly in low-income areas. Um, and, and really what's interesting is that we're, we're people on the ground, right? We live here, we're dedicated to the communities and we have the community's interest at heart. What bothers me is that you get some sort of guilds coming in from some of the play to earn, uh, platforms that are from outside of Africa, um, that really are modern version of indentured service, right? It's taking advantage of poor people. Um, and getting them into the system to earn more money for, for them. Um, and, and I have some real problems with a lot of the play to earn industry for sure. Um, I also have real problems with the, the, uh, proof of work, uh, consensus that, that obviously Bitcoin is based on and that a lot of the world is moving across because in Africa, uh, we create very little of the carbon in the world. Uh, but we absolutely suffer from the climate change in a huge way, uh, that's costing real lives. Um, and so, so we absolutely are focused on those two elements for sure. Well, so <clears throat> I'd love to, cause you, you feel, you seem passionate <coughs> about this. So let's, let's dive into it. So, and I, and I've interviewed, uh, you know, YGG games, um, and, and, you know, they truly believe that they're, they're doing good and, and that they're, you know, teaching people how to not only play to earn, but then it's all the metrics afterwards of, of how to convert, how to use DeFi, how to do everything else and, and move forward in the world. Um, what, what's your, what's your variance on, on what they're doing? Because, you know, they're, I don't know where they're located. In fact, I don't think they even know where they're located because they're, they're decentralized and all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, how, how does, uh, you know, something like Usiku games and, and what you guys are doing differ from what a, like a, I won't even say the words, um, but from the other play to play to, the other um, play to live, the other, the, the other play to live people. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of them are trying to, uh, transform work, right. Okay. To, to essentially be a replacement for work. And they, a lot of the media coverage talks about, uh, playing games as a source of income, as a primary source of income, particularly for people who couldn't get other work. Um, that's not what we're about, right? We're not trying to change work. We're trying to allow you to have some fun on your way to work, right? Um, what we're trying to do is really focus on this element of uh, financial resilience, right? Um, so historically, uh, the social impact world has focused really on financial inclusion, right? Getting the unbanked into the formal economy and system. Well, that's great, uh, but the problem is no matter how much you're in the system, if you break your leg and you can't go to work next month, uh, or your father gets sick with COVID, or there's a, a, a natural disaster of some sort, if you don't have any form of savings, uh, it all collapses, right? Um, and so what we're trying to do is to create the, the uh, behavior patterns, that those habits um, of savings, right, and getting people to invest in their futures. I believe that those other platforms uh, are merely reinforcing the, the day-to-day hand-to-mouth uh, type living. Um, and so that's certainly one point of differentiation for us. The second thing is, is a, as I mentioned before, the scholarships, uh, which is a wonderful uh, term, Orwell would be proud, um, and, and the guilds um, that essentially loan these digital creatures to poor people uh, in exchange for 40, 50, 60% of their income forever um, on what they make through the platforms. Um, and so you wind up with people who are, are just clicking all day uh, in exchange for making money for, for somebody who's not even in their country. The only thing I can absolutely say about that is I've played Axie Infinity for all of 90 seconds and I have no idea what the appeal is for. 
on, 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 on any, any, you know, shape or form. And, and it's I'm a Skinner really box. impressed. It's not a game. Yeah. It, it, it's a very interesting, interesting, uh, socioeconomic, uh, you know, research project, um, that's going on right now. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how it goes. And I, I do believe that they are helping people. Um, but you know, that being said, there's always a better way. And so I think that, you know, yours is, is a very interesting way to take it on it where it's, you're focused on a little bit of the different metrics there. And so, uh, a lot there, but let's, let's not stop there. Let's attack proof of work, um, which, which I'm always happy to do. And if you want to, we can make it over on the Ethereum side, uh, which I feel is a, is a, you know, more fair attack. But, um, you know, what, what's your feeling on there? Because, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that, you know, countries like Africa could take more advantage of, you know, alternative energy to generate, you know, uh, Bitcoin or, or, you know, other proof of work or, or proof of um, stake items. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and there's been talk about huge solar farms um, with, with a hut in the middle of the Chalbi desert uh, for, for the purposes of just doing proof of work, you know, consensus. And, what a waste, right? If, if we're going to put a gigawatt of, of solar power in the Jalbi Desert, let's, let's light up people's homes and, and give them light so they can read at night and do homework, um, maybe work a little bit more, work from home, uh, do online consulting, that kind of thing. Um, we, we don't need to spend that kind of energy, green or otherwise, um, on, on proof of work, right? Um, if we're going to make those kinds of investments, let's, let's make it for people. Um, and so I'm definitely a fan of, of not proof of work. What, what that better alternative is? I don't know. Um, I don't think proof of staking is, is necessarily the best. I think there's a few alternatives that people have suggested, but I don't think we found it yet. You know, I really liken this to the, the early 1900s when we moved from horse and buggy to, to cars, right? In, in those first 20 years, uh, it was chaos, right? It was car accidents all over the place. We didn't have sidewalks. We didn't have traffic lights. People were getting hit all the time, right? And everybody could tell automobiles were the future, right? And this just made so much more sense. Um, but we needed systems. We needed regulation. We needed processes to, to con- control the anarchy. Um, and that's exactly where I think we are now. I think it's where we've been for social media for the last 10 years. Um, and I think it's definitely where we're at now with, with Web3. Um, I'm absolutely convinced that this is the future um, and that Web3 is the next evolution. Look, I, I'm a guy who started on, on, on Gopher um, and Usenet, you know, and, and going on the internet meant sitting in a terminal room in the university at 11 o'clock at night, right? Um, I've seen how it has evolved. Um, we're not there yet, um, but this makes so much sense to me. Um, but, but we haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so we're going to have a messy maybe five years, 10 years, uh, until we get there. Uh, but we will, we'll get there. What's your, what's your team, uh, like where are they, are they located all again in and around, uh, the African continents and, and what's kind of their background and, and what size is it? And, you know, what's your, what's your needs over the next, uh, couple quarters as it seems yes. like you're growing. So we're a couple hundred people, uh, in 10 countries uh, across Africa. Um, we are growing very, very rapidly. Um, in Asiku games in particular, you know, obviously we've just gone through COVID. Um, but even still we've doubled in size in the last 18 months. Um, and, and we will probably do it again in this, the next 12 months. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a rapidly growing, we are huge believers in African owned African run. Uh, I'm the aberration cause I'm, I'm from Canada. Uh, the, the rest of the studio heads uh, with the exception of one, um, are all African, um, and, and all of our staff, uh, are local, right? Although my last business app maker was built entirely on Upwork, um, and we had staff on six continents, um, I'm not doing that with this one. And, and not a day goes by that I don't think of, you know, I could hire somebody in India and get this done at half price and twice the speed. Um, but, but we're all about capacity building, right? Training uh-huh. the local market, uh, and creating that next generation that will ultimately run what is going to be a multi-billion dollar industry here. So what, what is the, the, talent field look like around there are the schools educating are the universities educating in in blockchain technologies because it's it's not happening in in a variety of other countries so so there's a whole lot of uh it development skills schools here 
That's, that's a very, very big area. Um, what we call TVETs, technical and vocational training. Um, blockchain, not so much. Um, you know, we haven't really gone there yet. But what's wonderful about, about not just Kenya, but Africa, Ubuntu, the, the sense of a community, um, is that, is that there's so many community, um, events happening uh, where people gather and just learn, you know, and share, share experiences. I know that's how I've learned, uh, a ton over the last year. Um, and certainly organizations like YPO, you know, and EO are, are huge elements of that, uh, bringing founders together and saying, Hey, you know, have you considered how blockchain should fit into your business? Um, and converting from web two to web three, you know, is a, is a huge topic here. What's the what's the predominant chain? I we hear a lot about Cardano um in and around there because they run on a very low energy, low, you know, resource resource hungry uh proof of proof of stake. Um are you seeing that's kind of where they're where they're using their wallets and, and what they're interacting with? Yeah, so so we have a long history here of colonialism and and it's fresh in the memories of a lot of people. And so there's a lot of distrust for international Western players that opportunistically try and take advantage of the market here because of its size and just from a market perspective. And so conversely, there's a ton of respect uh, paid to not just blockchains, but just any corporate partner who's willing to actually be on the ground um, and invest in the, in the capacity building, the development um, and understanding you know, what the situation here is. And so Cardano, you know, is top of everybody's mind because Charles Hoskin has literally come and walked around Africa uh, quite a lot, you know, um, and is meeting with the governments and talking to the people. Uh, Harmony has started the Harmony Africa DAO. They've, they're investing their, their money uh, to, to build the, the market here. And, and that gets a lot of respect. Um, so yes, USDT, USDC, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, people are in all of them. Um, but, but certainly in terms of the chains that people are choosing, um, Celo, uh, Cardano and Harmony are, are definitely at the top of everybody's mind. Awesome. And are, do you see businesses accept, you know, openly accepting cryptocurrencies, uh, as, as a checkout item? No. Or form of currency? No, no not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet, okay. but it's coming. getting close. Getting yeah, close. yeah. Getting close. Getting you close. see, it's not necessary here, right? Uh, but, uh, I, I'm a little bit biased because I'm in Kenya, um, and literally everything you do in Kenya is done through mobile money through M-Pesa, um, which was one of the world's leading, uh, you know, mobile money platforms early on. Um, and so, and yeah, so from from paying for for a restaurant to paying a, a taxi to paying a friend to whatever like to paying your utility bills to paying your government taxes it's all done through mpesa um I, I never carry cash um and and nobody uses credit cards um and so it is absolutely the single dominant form of payment uh and it's purely digital so it's what i think the world will look like when crypto gets there from in terms of retail point of sale no, very, and it's very interesting to hear that they've just kind of adopted an app, um, at, and, and I'm guessing it's it's a African based uh, yeah, company as well. Yeah, Safaricom. Uh, Safaricom runs it, um, and it it runs on USSD, and I suspect in the US, I don't know if you know if you know what USSD is, uh, but that runs on those feature phones, the old Nokia phones, uh, as well as smartphone yep. apps on on iPhone and Android. Yeah, no, I, I knew it's a uh, it's a relatively old protocol, but I forgot uh, exactly what it is. Well, so there's, it's, there's it's, a, it's an old version of Telecoin. Yeah, there's 750 million uh, feature phones still in Africa, um, so wow. it's 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 big. It's a it's a big priority here. Wow, those are going away, by the way, point. very quickly. But but still, they're there. Listen, it, it's uh, everyone's grandma still has her, her feature phone, and she's not going to give it up anytime soon. Except with the median age, you know, again, nineteen twenty. I mean, that's that that's honestly, it's just it's terrifying more than anything else to have that young of a population, um, and and so much change uh, that, that's constantly going on. So I think you're right; you will see a very progressive, uh, very different society coming out of Africa faster than any anywhere else. Uh, for adoptions like cryptocurrency and blockchain, it's a very interesting, yeah. uh, you know, kind of thesis or or way to look at this. The average person on the continent is younger than Facebook. Wow, <laughs> very cool. So, so Jay, and again, fabulous name, um, Usiku um, is absolutely doing some really 
adventurous and and amazing things that I think that is going to take you know years for you to fully realize uh, the results of this and, and be able to kind of fully understand the the breadth of what you've built. Is is there thoughts of moving outside of uh, the continent of Africa, or you you feel very confident that you have all the people and all the resources you need uh, inside those one point uh, X billion? people right yeah. there. Yeah, no, we're here. We're here. This is this is our home and this is where where I think the future is realistically. Um and certainly in the gaming industry, uh which is a 200 billion dollar industry now. Um you know, there's this need for constant growth. Um you know, the gaming industry had 85 billion dollars of deals last year for the very first time. Uh they surpassed that number in January of this year. Right. Um, so that gives you a sense of the, the curve that we're on. Um, all eyes are on Africa uh, at the moment. So, yeah, we have no need to look elsewhere at the moment. And it, it would be an absolute, you know, such a huge win to see that the continent, you know, become a leader. Uh, of, of blockchain, you know, in, in a you know variety of asset classes have kind of come and gone and, and left, uh, we, you know, due to corruption and due to variety of things. I hope it's I hope it's the worst kept secret then and everyone keeps pushing in there because we've interviewed a number uh, of, of blockchain companies in and around the continent so I'm super excited about it yeah. can you so, the number two country globally in terms of peer-to-peer crypto transactions that's amazing that's amazing so while while we're we're talking about Africa what who else is developing there there's obviously got to be a, a crypto hub building what other uh what other projects of your friends would you like to uh give a shout out to yeah so you know there's there's a there's so much going on and i've learned so much from them over the last year one of my real favorites is is a platform called kotani pay k-o-t-a-n-i kotani pay um and they've partnered with cello and with um impact markets and and basically when you think about welfare payments or, or UBI and, you know, think of Andrew Yang, uh, there's certain, there's certain sentiments that go along with that from a U.S. context. Uh, but the reality is here where you have millions of people who are living in, for example, in refugee camps. Uh, we have one here in, 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 Ken, in Kenya called Kakuma, uh, in Ghana, there's another huge one, um, where people are living on less than $2 a day. Right. Um, this is this is the difference between eating and not eating. Right. Um, and the reality is that the UBI payments, the social welfare payments um, have have suffered from graft and corruption for for years. Right. Money leaks along the way. Um, and there's very little way of, of telling where um, and it's highly inefficient. And so what they've done is they've taken that entire system and they've put it on chain. Um, so now the big donors take the money and they put it directly into blockchain DAOs based around the individual refugee camps, uh, as an example. And that money then gets paid out to, they're running towards 3 million people at the moment. They're hundreds of thousands of people who will receive on their feature phone $2 a day. Um, and they, mm-hmm. they access it through USSD and a transfer from the chain into their mobile money account that they can then take and go and buy some some rice or some supplies, medical supplies, whatever it may be, right? It's literally saving lives. Um, and it's a beautiful example of how blockchain uh, is practical in Africa, is transforming lives, um, and, and really, it, it just was not possible uh, before we got to this kind of technology. Um, and so, yeah, so I love those guys. Uh, I've learned so much from them and, and I, I, they deserve a huge shout out. Awesome. No, I'm going to definitely look up more and we'll see if we can get those guys on the podcast. I think it's very fascinating and amazing to hear. Um, so for anyone else that wants to know more about Usiku games, um, where, where should they get a hold of you or where should they check it out? And, and again, if we want, even though we're not on the continent, at least a bunch of our, much of us aren't, but we have a number of listeners that are, um, you know, what's the best way to get involved and, and kind of help you guys out a little bit? Yeah. So I was a total newbie a year ago. I knew nothing. Um, I've learned so much. I'm happy to share what I've learned. I know everybody else is just coming along and I think pay it forward. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you want. Um, I do reject all requests that people send me that don't have a note associated with it. So send me a, a personal note. Let me know who you are, what you're doing, what you're interested in. Um, I'll be happy to talk to you. Um, I'm also on uh, Twitter. If you just look at for Jay Shapiro, J-A-Y Shapiro, uh, there's a couple of underscores in there, but you'll find me. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way to get me. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Wild Whales, there's another one for you. And uh, really some amazing insights from uh, Jay out of, in Kenya? or Na- Nairobi, Nairobi, Kenya. Nairobi, Kenya. See, I'm, I'm getting close. Um, but really, again, I think it's amazing to hear the, the differences now we're starting to go into this asset class and seeing like, hey, um, compared to some of the gaming guilds and, and some of these other ones, they're all trying to do, you know, a, a relatively uh, focused, you know, uh, push on helping um, less advantaged, I'm using, I'm, I'm choosing words carefully, yeah, sure. less advantaged people from around the world, uh, but coming at it from a variety of different ways. And I think the fact that there's now choices and then you can look and say, does Usiku uh, make sense to you to, to donate or, or to get involved in their games there or, or a variety of others really is uh, indicative of the growth that we need and the maturity we need in this asset class to continue to get really smart people uh, like Jay Shapiro here, as, as well as others to focus on Finding other ways than just don- blindly donating money, and then the hopes that it goes that goes in the correct ways. You know, bringing things on chain to end corruption is one of the first steps we're going to need. And having people understand the uses of blockchain uh, is is one of the biggest issues that we have. Jenny, final yeah, yeah, no, no, thanks a lot, Jay, and I really do appreciate that, and appreciate the interest in sharing the story with all your your listeners. Um, we absolutely don't seek or, or think of this as donations. Um, we think of it as investments. Um, and, and particularly in, in the crypto blockchain space, uh, both the platforms that I mentioned today, PAG and, and the Blockchain Gaming for Good, uh, you know, have open token sales. Um, and, and they are designed to be good investments uh, for the token holders. Um, and so, you know, it's that, it's that old adage of being able to, to do well while doing good. Um, and so I think if you're going to try and place your wealth, if you will, from your, your from crypto investments in the past, and you're looking for things to uh, to get involved in. This is a great way to do it that does good in the community and also is going to have a great return. Love it. That's Jay Shapiro with Usiku Games. Talk to you later, guys. Thanks so much. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. Why Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.